Well, there was an article I read this week. I try to read articles and studies and that kind of thing. But this one was a, an old study. It was back in the olden days, 2007. That's the olden days. And I say that's the olden days because how much has changed since from now till from then till now in 2007. That was, and why I say that is because before social media, if you're not on Facebook, uh, you're not missing out. It can be a good tool, but it also can be used for harm. If you're not on Twitter, if you don't even know what Twitter is, if you don't know what a tweet is, um, you're not missing out. But uh, if you're not on Instagram, I'm not either. But in in that study, they said, and this is before social media, that the average person sees about 5,000 ads a day. Now, I when I was reading, I was thinking about back in college, and I lived in the city, so me and my friends would be in the dorms and late night TV. And when I mean late night, I'm talking about like midnight. I couldn't do that anymore. But um, this ad would come up on the TV. It was Jack in the Box. Now, there's nothing special about Jack in the Box. Okay, how many of us like Jack in the Box or would claim to? Or some of us would be like, yuck. Some of us, you got to try the tacos anyway. That's, um, but that would come on the TV at midnight. And guess what we were doing? Because it was open 24 hours a day. And that was the only one that was open. It was Jack in the Box. So we'd get into someone's, Probably mine because I had a van at the time. And we go there and get a bunch of food. So ads make you think that you you need something. I needed to eat at midnight. Okay? We always say, I still say, uh, I'll save this for a midnight snack. And uh, But I, I, wanted, I was reading that. I go, I want to fast forward to modern times because social media, it's, it's good to update you, your family on things and send them pictures and blah, blah, blah. But it's a, it's, you scroll through it and you see a bunch of ads, right? Things that you think you need, things that you think you want. And actually they say about the average person sees about 15 ads per day, believe it or not. Now, if you're not in, if you're like, where is that scene? It's, it's from TV to you read your email or you're, you're on Facebook or you're, you're walking through the grocery store and you hear someone talking about that great thing, whatever. That's the average person. You're like, I don't say that. Some people might not say, see that much, but the average person, and so it's going up every single year because they're very, very smart, making us, making me think that I need a certain thing to be satisfied, that I need to receive some kind of product, some kind of service. So I do that. And so the studies say that the more ads the more advertisements you see, the more miserable you are because you're reminded of what you don't have. Now, back in college, when that commercial came on, why do you think a commercial for Jack in the Box would show up at midnight? Because they knew people like me would go, I'm going to go right there. Or if, if, that wasn't, if that wasn't close enough, we'd go to get the 7-Eleven and get a hot dog with cheese and chili. That was really good for, for me. It makes me feel good just thinking about it. Because they would have those commercials too in a Slurpee. But they say that the more times that you see an advertisement, you're actually more depressed because you're reminded of what you don't have, what you should have, or what other people have. Because I was thinking about this. I am not anti-alcohol. Some people are, and that's fine. I, I'm anti-being drunk by it, okay? I'm, I'm, anyway, I won't get into that. But have you ever seen a beer commercial, how happy they are? You know, they have all these... They're really these a bunch of guys that are bozos, but they're having the best time in the world, right? They're like, they're, they're not doing anything stupid. They're actually these brilliant people. And the reality is we've all seen, or maybe we've been in that situation where the better judgment has been thrown away and you're, you're with a bunch of bozos and bozos will do bozo things, but not in the commercials. Because if you want to be like those cool cowboys, right, that are in there, and they're having a fire, they're camping, and it's just wonderful, okay, it's beautiful, a bunch of guys doing wonderful stuff, then you got to drink that, or you got to eat that, or you got to buy that, or you got to have that phone, or you got to have that car, you got to have that, and so basically what culture says, it's, it's more blessed to receive, it's more blessed to get, it's more blessed to accumulate, get all this stuff, if I want to eat something, I better go right now because I need at midnight. I need a talk. I need a Jack in the Box taco because you know said nobody ever. But they are pretty good, by the way. But but Jesus, it's it's interesting. This is an interesting study because you study the culture, and culture is a good, it, not a good preacher. It is a preacher. Culture preaches a message all the time, right? And if we're listening, if we're leaning in, even a Christian will go, oh, because they know what they're talking about. They advertisements know what they're talking about. 
They know who exactly to reach at midnight, right? But Jesus, he always has a countercultural message that from the outside, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're watching and you're going, I'm not a Christian. You look at Jesus' messages backwards, outdated. I've had people talk about how outdated Jesus is, right? And from a cultural standpoint, listen to me, from a cultural standpoint, they're absolutely correct. He is backwards for the culture, okay? But I always, someone told me a long time ago that Jesus' message isn't upside down. It's actually right side up. It's how life is supposed to be. It's how life was created to be. In the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect, everything was set just right, and through sin, they took that culture and turned it upside down. And up is down, left is right, black is white, white is black. You know, everything is just backwards. And so we've talked about in this series to predecide. And so we're predeciding to agree with Jesus. Now, what did he say in Acts chapter 20, verse 35? It is the only words of Jesus really outside of Revelation and, and the Gospels that we have a word of Jesus that's not found in the Gospels. Okay, but Luke, the author of Acts, he says this. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of us have ever heard that? Right? When you're a kid, maybe at Christmas time, your mother probably said that to you. Remember what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So let your brother play with that. Let your sister play with that. But I don't want to. Now, how many of us don't raise your hand maybe, but we, 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 we know Jesus said that, but we don't really understand it really because sometimes people's get, spiritual gift is the gift of gift receiving, right? Tear that gift open, right? Christmas uh, and birthday. I had someone at the store a while ago. They announced in the back room, they opened up the door and they announced, which who does this? If you do this, I'm sorry, but it was silly. They, they announced that it was their birthday, I mean, who does that? This person was probably like 55 years old. Like, who announces their birthday that? By the way, Facebook, what's one, one of the positives of Facebook? It reminds me of birthdays. So it is a, is a lifesaver. Like, people go, you really remember my birthday? Yes. Yes, I remembered for sure. But so let's read that together. Let's, it is more blessed to receive, to give than to receive. Let me do that again since I messed up. <laughs> It is more blessed to give than to receive. So for a moment, I want us to take just a deep breath. Because I'm going to talk about something today that is very countercultural. It might not, you might not even, from a human standpoint, even if you've been a Christian for your entire life, you might not like it. In fact, I might go as far as saying you won't like it. Okay, one of the things that I, listen, call me selfish, I, I'd rather have God's blessing on my life than to have what? God's curse. Okay? I mean, how many of us want the blessing of God? We don't even know we want to raise our hand, right? Like, right? Like, we, there's books that are written that say, the blessed life. Every day of Friday, right? That's a silly title, but you know, I mean, if it ever was a Saturday, it'd be perfect for me. But, but, um, how in the world do you get blessed? Well, according to Jesus, and this is not just financial, it is more blessed to give, to, to bless others. You could say give is the word bless. It is more blessed to bless others than for everyone else to bless me. Now, I have a very big theory of mine that we could have world peace. It's not a theory. I think it's true. It will never happen in our lifetime. It might never happen. It probably, according to the Bible, probably won't happen. But if everyone, and I mean everyone in the world, was able to bless other people, make it about other people, we would have world peace. You know why? Because that blessing would return to you, guaranteed. Now, how stupid are we for not believing that? Because we're like, if I bless other people, at some point, you are going to receive that blessing, you're going to receive that, that joy, that happiness. Like, wow, I really enjoy myself. But we got to, what are we pre-deciding today? We are pre-deciding to agree with Jesus, even though it makes our flesh really weak. Okay? It does. I'm like looking at it going, like if I have one cup of coffee left and that's it, and the Lord's asking me to give it to you, 
I don't think I'm actually listening. I'm not hearing from the Lord correctly. Or if I have a friend of mine that says, hey, I think the Lord is calling me to uh, Hawaii to, to minister there. And I think I'm just going to stay there. I have this opportunity. The church is going to pay me. I don't even have to pay a dime. They give me a place to live. They give me a place. I'm going to go right on the beach and I'm going to minister. And, and I go, I think I'm called that to that too. But for some reason, the Lord, like, where's, what's, what's the call of God for me tomorrow? Specifically, I'm going to Kuski first. Sometimes Stites, sometimes Orfino cameo all the time, but I am pre-deciding in my life that Jesus is right. Because call me selfish, you all you want, I want to be blessed. I don't want to be cursed by God because that exists too. God will remove his blessing for many ways, but the way that you receive blessing is that you pour out. He pours into you for a reason to pour out to other people, and it will come back. Now, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel, okay? If you believe in that, fine, okay? I'm talking about the generosity gospel. I'm talking about the, the blessing gospel, if you will, that I, God blesses me. He is a giver. You can't outgive God. He has given, he has provided for me and my family time and time again, even when we were at our poorest, even when we were broke, even when we were eating pancakes for a month, because we had that one of those big bags that lasts forever from Costco, right? And that was it. That's all we had, right? Remember that? Long time ago. But even during that time, we've always had something. We've always had provision because God has been our provision. And at the beginning of our marriage and over the years, we've had to recenter ourselves back to this concept. We want to, we want to uh, be a blessing to people and not just be a sucker. You know, we don't just want to receive we want to bless other people. Now, basically when Jesus says it is more blessed, you might not believe this, but it literally means you will be more happy. It's not even talking about just joy. It's talking about happiness. It's talk, the word is like, it's like how we get the word hilarious. You know, it's ha 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 ha. You know, it is, we're going to be so happy that we are laughing. Okay. That's what that, that word literally means that if you want that type of uh, attitude in life and listen, I've laughed my entire life. I've tried to joke around. I've tried to find humor in things. Even at the worst, the way that I cope with bad situations, what, I am, I am a, I'm a king of humor at the wrong time. Anybody else there? Like, the whole world is flooding or whatever, and you're like, hey, you want to hear a joke? You know, you know, it's like the Titanic, that scene where the Titanic's going down and they're still playing the, they're still playing. By the way, that's stupid, you know, but they're playing their instruments. I'd be there take, hey, you guys, before you go to that, the lifeboat, want to hear a joke, you know, but I, I, I want to truly be happy. Of course, you, Jesus is actually saying it, you will be happier when you have the spirit of generosity that comes from God. You will be happier. And the idea, just think about the very first time that you were able to buy a present on your own and give it to someone. Instead of having your parents pay it for you and then you give it to someone. And guess what I bought? No, mom and dad bought it, but, you know. And to see their eyes go, wow, it does bring a blessing. Just the concept of that. So what we're talking about is the message title today is when you stop holding back. Because I've always known in my life that sometimes, sometimes um, I, I feel like I understand that the, the blessing is like a pipeline, and the pipeline sometimes is, is clogged. I want to know how to unclog that, that pipeline between me and God. And here it is. I want to be a generous person. I don't want to hold back. What am I holding back that I need to let go of? What am I holding on to? What am I clinging on for dear life that I need to hold, let go? What blessing have I been actually been should have had in my life that I didn't receive because I've been too stingy. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about my time, my talents, my treasure, all of it. It's for to bless other people. So we're actually in a series called Pre-Decide. And we're talking about different ways to decide how we're going to live. What is my life going to look like? Now, your life might look different now than when you planned it 20 years ago. 
the good news is, and I'm looking around here, everyone's still alive, right? Are you still alive? Okay, I hope so. Well, one day I might look back and I'm like, nope, okay. But we're all still alive. That means that we have chance right now to start fresh if we're not on the right track. We need to predecide today what we're going to do the rest of our lives. So we've said stuff like this. When faced with blank, I have predecided to blank. Like I said it over and over and over, but my, the, it's either, you know, when faced with um, a tough marriage, I have predecided, I said this last week, but when I'm faced with some bad situation in my marriage, I have predecided to blank. We have predecided, me and my wife have predecided that, and now if you've ever been divorced, God can redeem that. Okay, but we have decided, we, just us, we have decided we are, we're going to work through things no matter how hard it is. And I've been married for 18 years. I've learned that marriage is work. Anybody know that? Relationship is work. If I was just in relationship with myself, if I just loved myself all the time, I'm like, yeah, I love, it's still work. Relationship takes effort. It takes time. And you're not always happy with them. She's not always happy with me. But we have predecided to work through every situation so that when I'm faced with a bad situation in my marriage, we remember it's almost like a covenant we've made. Now, if you've been divorced, that's a whole other topic that you, you can, we, we believe in redemption. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in that kind of stuff around here. But, um, we've looked at six, we're looking at six pre-decisions. I am ready. I am consistent. I am devoted, I am generous, next week I am faithful, and I am a finisher, because life will go hard, and I refuse to give up in my life. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do, no matter how hard it is. So today, we're deciding to, to pre, we're pre-deciding to agree with Jesus that it is more blessed to be generous than it is to just take, 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 take. I want to be Dwayne's friend because if I'm Dwayne's friend, he's going to give me a bunch of good coffee, right? I know what he's going to give me for birthday, my birthday and Christmas. He's going to give me a bag of coffee. I remember I went to his house a long time ago. I still remember it. You had a good coffee machine that you put the, the beans in. I don't know what happened to that machine. Probably broke or whatever. But you know what I'm talking about? You put the beans in, it grinds it fresh every cup. I knew if I went to his house, he's going to grind me some of that and get me a fresh cup of coffee. But instead of just hanging out with people so I can receive that blessing. I want to be a blessing, and, and I'm challenging my life to be more of a blessing to other people. I want people, when they see me, see my family, to see my relationship with God, that it's, it, I'm life-giving. People go, man, I don't know if I believe what you believe, but every time I'm around you, I receive joy and life and laughter almost. Like I want that. I don't want people to look at me and go, man, every time I'm with you, they might not say this literally. Maybe they will. Every time I'm with you, Joel, I feel like that joy is just going away. I feel like it's, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like Christ. I want to be, what, what, what was Jesus? He was life-giving. He was life-giving. And we're called to follow after Christ, to say the things that Christ did, said, to do the things that Christ did. We're called to do the very same thing. He said, man, here's the things I'm doing. You'll do even greater things. That's why we're called to this. So we're pre-deciding to be generous. Now, like I said earlier, we need to take a deep breath because every time a pastor talks about generosity or money or that kind of thing, even the pastor gets nervous. Okay? Now, I want to say something I say all the time. I don't even know. Here's the offering bag. I don't even know who gives what. I've made it a rule in my life to not look through the record and to go, Dwayne gives so much, but Hayden, it's not as much. So I, I tend to, I want to, I don't want to do that. I want it to between me and God. That's it. When I tithe, when I give, when I'm generous, when I've made that decision, nobody's pulling my leg. No one's forcing me anything. No one's like saying, if you want to be a member of this church, you're going to do this. That's, that's not it. It's between me and God. And I would even say me and my wife to make a decision to be generous. Now, nobody accidentally is generous. They don't stumble into tithing. They don't stumble into giving to missions. I was thinking about some of the heroes of my faith or missionaries that we know. 
missionaries that we support every single month because they're going to places that I'm not necessarily called to. I can't hop into a plane right this second and go to Zimbabwe. I can't go into a, uh, a plane right now and go to the Ukraine and, and, and deal with stuff over there. I can't, I can't do that. God has called me specifically to this spot right here. He called me here in 2003, and I, I'm, I'm still like, I mean, God is still holding me on here, okay? And, but they deserve. They've worked for, these missionaries. And nobody, including myself, it doesn't accidentally happen where I go, here, I, Dwayne, I just have this check for this missionary we need to get to. I accidentally wrote it. It was on accident. And somehow it just showed up in my pocket, right? It is a predetermination that I want to bless other people, even if it's a little bit, okay? I want to free some of us up right now. It's not even about the amount that we give. It's not even about the amount of blessing. Really what it is, is it's a heart. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of generosity. I've made it, we have made it, the church has made it, so it's so legalistic and so nervous. Well, do I tithe off the pre-taxes or after taxes? I'm like, we're missing the point here. Or do I have to, can I tithe and or do missions or do I hit, do I, is it, listen, you have to come up with that on your own. You have to pray. What is God leading you to? And I believe with my heart, I really do. And it, it, I wrestle with it every single time that God every single time will call you to be a blessing every single time to people. And you will be surprised. Maybe you won't be surprised, but I'm surprised. Every time that I feel that I'm supposed to bless someone else and they are just amazed at it, how I'm like, they needed that that moment. Like, what a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that God will speak to you very specifically. And so many times, and I, we were here, me and my wife were like this, but once, once I have a little bit more time, then I could be a blessing. Once I have a little bit more resources, once I have a little more cash, once I have make a little bit more money. But sometimes generosity isn't really about what you have or you don't have. You could be generous and broke. You could be generous and not make that much. You could be generous and living paycheck to paycheck. You really can. You don't have to be multimillionaire or you don't have to make a lot to, to be generous. Generosity is not about how much. Generosity is all about the heart. Now, I was praying this week and I was asking God because when he was talking about this in my heart, I felt like people are, are going to be a little nervous about this. And I said, he just kept reminding me in my heart, my spirit, that generosity comes from the heart. It doesn't come from your wallet. It doesn't come from your checkbook. It doesn't come when you go on, on online and you click on, you know, pay or whatever on your, it doesn't, it comes from the heart. And, and again, I want my heart, my spiritual heart, I want it to be healthy. I want my heart to beat just like it, Jesus' heart beats. I want to be more like Jesus every single day. And it's not just this, but this is a major part because I think about how giving God really is. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave God the Father, and I truly, literally believe this, that when you look at the Old Testament, there are moments where you see the Son of God pre-human pre form, okay? It's amazing what you'll see in the Old Testament. But at one moment in time, God the Father sent his Son and gave his Son to the world. That's the number one generous offering that I've ever received. Like, if it wasn't for that, I'd be stuck. I'd be damned to hell. And I don't want to be damned to hell. I want life. I want blessing. And the reality is God the Father, he gave. That's why we're called to be generous too is because God is. See, I've met poor people to be stingy. And I've, I've seen poor people be irrationally generous. I have. Like they didn't have any, they didn't have two pennies to rub together and they're the most generous people. Because I've seen, I, the specific person in my mind, I'm thinking that they don't have two pennies to rub together and someone blessed them with something and it would have been easy to take that $20 bill and to buy groceries. Because who doesn't need groceries? I go to the store and I go, man, that one bag costs us like 50 bucks. 
Maybe more than that, right? Anybody been there? Like, this is, is, like, if someone gives me $20, I'm running to the store really quick and getting the necessities. But I've met someone that I is irrationally generous. They don't have two pennies to rub together. They have barely have any food. And they, I saw them give it to someone. I'm like, I don't even think I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I wasn't even a Christian anymore. Because I was like, I think I'd rather just put it in my, po- my pocket and go get a coffee. Right? But they felt the Lord was saying to bless other people. And so what we're going to do, this is not the f- most fun sermon. It's not. I enjoy the sermons that are fun. But one of my goals in my life, one of my jobs is to be biblical, is to preach the Bible. Okay, Not when it's easy, but when it's hard. And when you th- look out throughout the Bible... Jesus is very clear. He talks about resources, finances, generosity, more than he talks about eternity, more he talks about heaven and hell, more he talks about marriage, more he talks about relationship with God. He talks about, number one, generosity and giving and money and resources and time and what you're doing for other people, loving other people. He talks about it way more than anything else. It's not even close. But what I'm going to do is I want to be in Luke chapter 12 for just a second, for two verses and I love Jesus' parables because he'll say it the hard way, but he'll do it in a very nice story form format so you feel good about it. Oh, I love his parables. Anybody else there? I love his parables. If you really want to learn about what Jesus' heart really is about, read his parables because he did it in a great way. I love that. I love him as a teacher too because I want to learn how to be a good teacher. I want to be a good, I want to be a good leader as a teacher and not kind of teach people. But um, he says in Luke chapter 12, he tells a story about a rich guy. And you can be a Christian and be rich. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it controls you, even if you're broke and your money controls you, then it's hard. But Jesus, he talked about this rich man. And in the story, basically what he did, he had one year where he had all this crop that grew. And it was overwhelming. Let me modernize it. He had a great year of business. He owned a business, let's say. And he, I mean, he made triple what he usually does. So the question he did is, I have all these crops. Where am I supposed to store them? I don't have enough barns. In other words, I have so much money, I don't even know what to do with it. Kind of reminded me when I was a kid. I was a kid of the 80s, so I used to watch cartoons. Anybody else watch cartoons when you were a kid? It was like Scrooge McDuck. He, he swam in gold. He was so rich that his, his pool was filled with gold. By the way, that would not, you could not swim in gold. It would hurt you. Okay, boom, it would do that. Not swim in it. But, what do I do with all this money? Well, let me say, we'll read it in just a second, but what he did not say was, I have so much extra on top, now I can bless other people. He did not say that. Now I can help this widow out that has nothing. Now I can help this kid out that has no shoes. I can go give them shoes. Now I can help this family out with their month of groceries or this week of groceries or just one day of groceries, whatever God's leading you. Now I can do that. You know what? He didn't even do that. He has all this extra resource. What did he do? Well, he did what he always did. Luke chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. After he goes, what am I supposed to do with all this resources? It's too much. He goes, I, then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns. What a moron. Really? Why wouldn't you just keep the barns that you have? Anyway, I mean, if, if I were thinking like a human right now, I think keep the barns and then add on to it. But anyway, I just, it's weird. Anyway, I know, I'll tear, I think Jesus wants us to know this guy's not really that brilliant. Anyway, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough, I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And look at this, here it is. This is, this is the heartbeat of generosity and the heartbeat of stinginess. Okay, I'm not talking about just money. Okay, it's much more than that. It's bigger than that. It's time. It's resources. It's talent. It's what God's calling you to do. It's loving people. Okay, he, this is his heart. Then after all this, I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, and who talks like this to himself? My friend. He's talking to himself. Yeah, I mean, he has nobody with him. So he's like, he looks in the mirror and he goes, you're a good man my friend. I can imagine him winking in the mirror at himself going, you're good looking. 
You're, you're wonderful, right? I'll, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and party it up. Be merry. Now, Jesus is not anti-nest egg retirement fund, okay? He's not. He talks about planning ahead. He talks about that. But it is a heart now, I read that last part, and I go, well, if this is me, I can easily sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. Eat a bunch of food, drink a bunch of coffee and Mountain Dew, and I'm going to be merry all by myself. Okay, who's he talking to? My friend? He's talking about himself. He's all alone. The reason is because he's all about himself. Jesus is very clear in the story and throughout all scripture. You can have all the resources in the world, but if you forfeit your soul, what have you gained? That's a challenging mess. That's a challenging message from Jesus. Like if you gained all the world, again, I could become the laziest person. I could, like, like Lydia's got retirement. I have a little retirement. They went down this last year, but we won't even get into that. Um, but I could kick my feet up and what have I really gained? The reality is what do I want to fill my life with from now till death or until Jesus returns? Honestly. And I got to look at my flesh and go, stop it. Because my spirit goes, I want to bless other people. I want God to change your life. And who is he going to use? He's going to use bozos like me and good people like you. I won't call you a bozo. That would be mean. I'll call myself a bozo. But listen, this story to me proves that money, more money doesn't change who you are. It just reveals who you really are. Like I always, we used to say this a lot when we were broke. We were eating pancakes for a month. Well, I'll bless other people when I have more. Can't, what am I supposed to do with myself? We used to do that all the time. I mean, am I lying about that? We used to be like, we were like that. But we had to pre-decide at a date in time, we had to say no. Because some people can give someone a million dollars. I couldn't. <laughs> but some people, they can give them something very little. But it still was life-changing. Even, even if you're broke. Even if, you, even if you're barely making ends meet. If there's more month at the end of your paycheck, which I've not been there, done that, you're like, how many more days do we have until we get paid again? I understand that. But again, generosity is a heart. Generosity is a spirit. It is not about your wallet. It's not really about your, your checkbook. It's not really about that at all because you can give and give and give and still be stingy. It's about the heart. I want to bless other people. So I'm not going to wait until the, the last, my, like I'm like rich. If you want to be generous when you have more, we need to learn to be generous when we have less. Even if it's a little bit. Well, this is not going to change anybody's life. Tell that to the person who is like stranded and they need a place to stay for a night. It's not a lot. It's not life changing. And the good news is I've seen multiple of the people in this church over the years be very, very generous when it comes to helping people, especially how many times as a church have we helped someone in a motel when they're stranded? I can't even count the number of times. We used to get the calls all the time. And I'm like, well, okay, so a, a motel room is around 120 bucks. Sometimes it's less than that. And to, to, to be able to minister to someone, me and Wade did it one time, and me and Wade were helping someone out. And, I mean, it was like tears. People were, were tearing up because of they tried so many times for someone to, be, uh, to, to provide a night for them. They were stuck. And we just felt it was the right thing to do as a church, and we did it. And, I mean, it, it, I don't know if it changed your life forever, but it changed, for sure changed that night. And because we want to learn now, to be generous, because I want to be more like Christ. 
I want to be more like Jesus. That's, more, that's why. And so we're predecided. See, generous people, they plan to be generous. It doesn't just happen by accident. I have never, ever, 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 ever stumbled into helping someone with their groceries. I've never stumbled into, as a church, we've never accidentally ended up at Clearwater 12 and accidentally paid for a night for their motel, ever. I've never done that. It's always been purposeful. I'll get a phone call. Someone on the board will call me. It's, it's, let's meet over there. Can we do that? Yes, let's do it right now. Generous people plan to be generous. Sometimes people think generosity is spontaneous. Spontaneous generosity, is, it's just called giving, okay? Like I'm walking, this has happened. We're in Walmart, and we're driving through the, by the parking lot, and there's usually a person or a couple or a person, their dog, standing there. And I can be as cynical as the rest of us because I go, you know, if you walk 100 or 200 yards that way, you could probably get a job. I've said that. You can ask my wife. And sometimes there are times, one time when Hayden said, hey, do you think we should give him that? Remember that time when we're, you, you said that? You're like, hey, I think we should help that guy out. So there's definitely this idea of, okay, what's the Lord really saying right now? Okay? Sometimes you'll be watching TV and you'll have a, an ad show up with dogs in cages with sad music or neglected dogs. It's the word. I mean, you're like, don't add this. It's sad enough, but you have to add the sad whatever music, like that Titanic music, whatever, whoever that is that's on Titanic, whatever that song is. Celine Dion. And you have to, you hear that and you go, oh, go get my wallet. I'll call them right now. Here, I'm going to sell my house. I'm giving them all my money, right? Um, um, oftentimes, people who are not generous, they sometimes have to, like that, they get are guilted into it. Okay, I'm sorry. This, I'm sorry, this dog, Spot, he needs this. Ruffy, he, he needs this. Here, he needs it. Look how sad he is. His ears are down. His hair is all, like, matted. His hair is all sad. Look, I've heard it. I think, I don't know, and then there's children commercials and there's a guy that comes with this big white beard. He comes out there and he goes, these are all my kids that I take care of, but I need the money right now. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And we have to feel guilted into it sometimes. But the difference between just being a giver, because giving honors God, but generosity, we don't need that music. <laughs> I don't need the Titanic music to really be I don't need to go to some uh, event where they where they uh, convince me this is a thing that we're building up and we need the money. Okay, generous people. I go. I just wake up one day and I go. My now. By the way, this is a side note. Okay, let me take a pause for a minute. I don't wake up and go. Where can I? Where can I be more generous today? Who needs something? Who needs? I don't do that. I say. Like anybody else, I wake up and go, wow, how can I, and I don't want to say it this way, but how can I be the most happy right now? How can I be most, most blessed myself? But it's those times when I'm out in the community, I'm going, this is, my, this is the ministry God has for me. And I want to be a vessel used by God to change someone's life around. Be why is that? Because someone showed up in my life when I was 16 years old. God showed up, but it was God used specific individuals in my life to show up in my life. They were very generous with their time with me. They, they, they showed me how to be a man of God. They showed me what it means to be a man of God. And they, they just showed, there was men in the church that just helped me out. And that was why, because they were not generous, quote, with their money with, to me. I, didn't really, I, was a, I was a kid. I didn't really need. My parents were very, very, very generous to me. Okay? My mom even did my laundry when I was in high school. It was very nice. I didn't have to do that until college. I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do. Right, I learned since then. But but um, but they showed up with their time. They're very generous with the time, and it changed my life. And I I look at those guys, a guy named Bob. I I look at Bob. I think about him. I say I want to be like Bob because he was. I want to be generous with my time. I want to help change someone's life. God will flow through me and change their life. See, generous people have a plan. Isaiah thirty-two verse eight. It's the clearest Bible verse I could find on this topic. It's very clear. Generous people plan to do what's ge what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Why is that? Because it's their heart. God has filled them up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and it's who they are. It's not what they do. It's not about the amount they give or about the time. 
It is about their heart. What is God doing in your heart? Has he given you life? Has he breathed life into me? Because if he does, then it's like this flowing stream. What happens if water is just stuck in one spot and there's no outlet or inlet? It's called a swamp. And it's gross. And it smells. I don't want to be a smelly Christian. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want God's blessing to flow into me and through me. And it comes back right back around. Okay? And I love that because we, pre- we pre-decide to stand firm no matter the situation of my finances, no matter how busy I get. This is wor- no matter if I'm so busy, I don't have the time, I am going to do whatever it takes to be more like Jesus. That is my goal in my life. I hope that's your goal in your life. Now, did you know that everyone plans for their financial life? A bad plan is still a plan. No plan is still a plan. Okay? We, my family, my marriage, I should say my, my marriage, we've both been foolish with our money and we've been very wise with our money. There are two versions of, our, of, my, of my story. Okay? I, we have been in trouble financially when we we're, when were first married. Like, cut up the credit card kind of in trouble. Okay? Don't even put it in the free. Don't don't freeze it in the ice cube and put it in the freezer. Cut it up, okay? Because you can easily thaw that thing really quick. Hurry up! Break the ice! Hurry up! We need it. And and um, that's not an anti credit card statement, but for us, we were in trouble. We were drowning, more than month, more than uh, we could afford. But we learned, and it was for, through through my mom, who was very wise financially, who helped us along the way, in. We made that moment. I don't remember how many years ago it was to just honor God with everything. Honor God. And so this is the plan that most people have. First of all, God supplies somehow. Somehow you get finances, either through a job, through a 401k, through some retirement, or, or you're broke and you, you check your mailbox and for some reason this happens sometimes, you have a check, right? Have that ever happened to you? Like all of a sudden you're like, this is a cool blessing, so God supplies, and we've been there, done that. You spend more than you make. That's on the top. Okay? How many of us, maybe you don't, not right now, but you've ever been to a, a month where you had way too much month at the end of your paycheck? Right? You have more days than paycheck. I have. So you spend more than you make, and then what happens? Trust me, you have, there's no margin. You have lack of margin. Which, what does that do? You worry more. How many of us have ever worried about finances? If you've been in a fight about finances, if you're married, say amen, right? You have fought about finances. You stayed up at night with finances. You've taken Tums and antacids and you've put that little stuff in the water and it bubbles and you drink it. That's because of ta- that taxes and money and finances and, and, and you're drinking that stuff and you, more Tums and, uh, you know, I, I know <laughs> it's hard, but that's the cycle that most people are in. I've been there. God supplies. We spend more than we make. There's lack of margin. We worry, we worry, we worry. Where's it coming from? And then the next month rolls around. God supplies. We have the money. We have a paycheck. Spend more than we make. And it's a cycle of, 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 of anxiety-ridden life. Now, how many of us think that anxiety is fun? Oh, no. Anxiety and worry ruin a life. I wish I had a shirt that said, I have, I used, I have worried in my life because that's true in my life. I have worried, I've stressed, I've fretted. Is that the word, fretted? That it is? That's cool. Um, I've, I've pulled my hair out, tried to be creative financially to try to figure out how we're going to get more. Am I going to get, you remember when I was going to work at the bakery for a little bit? <laughs> I was going to become a cook. That was years ago. I don't cook that good. Spaghetti, yes. But that's, that's what it's like. So the cycle can change. How does it change? I've learned this a hard way. It changes one way. You might not want to write this down because it's simple, but at the same time it's difficult. Put God first. How does the cycle of, of financial burden and being stressed out and anxiety, how does it, how does it, how do you heal that? Because listen, you can break any cycle, a bad cycle, bad habit, even a financial bad habit. 
the reality is the only way you can stop that cycle is put God first. And you can do it. We've done it. See, there's a principle in the Bible. It's called the tithe. Now, I've had many, many arguments with people that say that's an Old Testament concept. It's not. Jesus talked about the tithe. Did you know that the New Testament talks about tithe and even adds to it? It doesn't talk about 10%. Jesus said all. Oh. <laughs> so I always joke with people. I say, if you want to go easy, talk about the tithe, right? But the tithe is a, is a base point, okay? And the reason why, this has not always been easy in my life, okay? It's not a legalistic thing. I don't have to come with the pastor. I don't have to go with the board. And I don't have to show them that I'm proving that I'm going to give. I don't have to. It's between me and God. I've chosen to honor God and ask God, help me to trust you more than that paycheck that I'm staring at and going, ooh, that's a beautiful paycheck. It's so beautiful, it almost seems like it's made of gold. No, I trust you more than I trust my paycheck. And when we did that in my, my life, in our family's life, God's blessed us. And I'm not saying this is a way to get rich. This is not a get-rich scheme. If you give $5 right now, into the offering bag. It's right over there. God's going to promise you $100 back. That's not what this is. But he will bless you. Okay? He will bless you. He is the provider. Malachi 3.10, I, I can't say it any better than this, but he's, Malachi says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my house. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I thought about if I was translating this Bible right now, what would God say to me? I double-dog dare you. Right? I double-dog dare you. He would, he, he, basically, I was reading this. I'm going, God was telling me, you know, try to prove that I'm a liar because you won't find that he's a liar. Okay? Now, again, this is not legalism. This is not trying to buy your way into God's good graces. It's not. It's simply saying, God, I'm honoring you. Again, the offering that we do in this church is not to bless the pastor. It's not. It's one of the reasons why I got a second job a long time ago. the reason why we do the offering bag like that is because we do, we, we obviously, the lights have to stay on. <laughs> That's just a practical aspect of ministry. Okay, it's just true. Okay, but it's to honor God. It's to honor God. See, so here's the cycle. But you can break that cycle by putting God first. So what do you do? You, you, God supplies, you've, Predecided, whatever, if it's 10%, if it's a little more, whatever, God has told you to give. See, be a cheerful giver. And it says in the New Testament, Paul says, to decide in your heart what you're going to give. That's what this New Testament says. Okay, decide in your heart between you and God. If you're married, between, I would recommend between you and your spouse and God. Okay, you're going to give off the top, no matter what. I'm going to give to God. Maybe this month I didn't make as much, so I'm going to give. Uh, it's whatever percentage. I'm just going to give. Then what happens is the, the Bible, Joel doesn't say this. God says it. God blesses. And when God blesses my life, guess what? It builds my faith. I need my faith to be built. And when my, my faith is built, then he supplies more, and then I give. And then God blesses, and it builds my faith. What is God all about? He wants to build your faith. He wants, to, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. So, here it is. We give God our first and our best, and we trust God to bless the rest. Hopefully you can remember that. That's a, I tried to rhyme it. I'm going to choose, not legalism, the pastor's not going to look at the, the offering statements ever. It's between you and God. I'm going to give God my first and my best, and I'm going to trust him with, to bless the rest. I'd rather trust God with 90% than to trust myself with 100%. Because I will not, I, 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 by myself, I will choose the wrong way. But with God, he will bless the rest. Last, 
There's two verses and we'll be done. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 26. All day long, he, and he's talking about the lazy and selfish, if you see the chapter, he, they crave and they crave, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. I love that. I don't want to just be a person that just, I want just, my, just the righteous, the person who's living for God, they give and they don't hold back. And last and we'll certainly be done is the story of, we're not going to read, we're going to read a verse and that's it. The Good Samaritan, guy gets beat up. He goes up and he bandages the guy, puts oil on his head, takes him to a motel, sets him down. He does not say, okay, see ya, goodbye. Because when we put people in a motel, that's about what we do. Okay, see ya, goodbye. But Luke chapter 10, verse 35, in the story, it says the Good Samaritan, and the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. That is not holding back. That's changing someone's life. That is doing what God's calling us to do. And we want to, everyone wants to be like the Good Samaritan, right? It's someone that no one, usually they despise. This one is one that, is honoring God. I want to honor God. We're choosing today. If you want to be blessed, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's take a moment and pray. Thank you, Lord. It is a hard one, Lord. But the reality is you've, you've called us to this. It's not even about the church. It's not about the offering bag. It's not about how much we can have to keep the lights on. It's not even about that. It's about every single one of our hearts. You've called us to each one of us, so I pray that each one of us, this would not be a spirit of legalism. This would not be a spirit of judgmentalism. This would be a spirit of generosity that comes from you. I pray, God, that you would just show up in our life so strong because you have loved us. You have been generous to us. God, help, help that flow keep going because when we're, it's true. When we bless others, we will receive that blessing, and it's a cycle that is a positive, healthy, good cycle. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock for prayer. If you're a board member, just come in here really quick and we'll go through that.